We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Dateable Podcast, where we not only discuss modern dating, but we also like to immerse ourselves in the trends that are going on, the sociological perspective of modern dating, the academic perspective. And what better way to do that than to talk to someone that's been on 800 first dates? There Holy you go. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm so tired just even thinking about it. So I wanted to do an exercise last night. This is back of the napkin math okay. of how many dates I have been on in my lifetime. First, first dates. dates. Uh huh. And it's really hard because it's, you know, some of them go to second date. It's really hard to do. But anyways, this is my back of the napkin math. There's 52 weeks in a year right? Mm -hmm. I think at some points in my life, I was going on more than one date in a week. And then mm -hmm. other points, I was going on zero, whether that was I was in a relationship, focused on other things, in a depression because of a breakup. Like there were many reasons that I yeah. went on zero dates. But let's say for all intents and purposes, one date a week for 52 weeks. Okay. Okay. So I started really dating when I was 27. Like before then, it was very much like casual hookups. I wasn't using dating apps. I think I would probably, let's stay, let's say for all intents and purposes, we'll start when I was 27. Mm -hmm. Met my now partner at 37. So that's 10 years of 52 a week. I'm going to take out roughly three to four years conservatively. Wow, this is very scientific. <laughs> I really didn't think about this. Three to four years, I'll say, because of, you know, I was in a relationship for like a year, then it went on af on and off for a bit, had another mini relationship that kind of was like a year-ish, all said and done, getting over it and being in it long distance, the whole deal. <laughs> 
And then I would also say I was in a deep depression for one year after the breakup that I didn't date at all. So five to six years roughly dating times 52. So that's like 250 to 300. That's a lot. Yeah, but that's your lifetime. It might not be right. Like, I don't know. It's hard to really estimate. Clearly, our guest today, Brooke, actually was jotting these down. And she did have an a-, a semi-accurate estimate. She also agrees, like, it may be a little more potentially or less. But she was <laughs> saying it might be actually more than 800. But UA, you knew Brooke in New York City. And yeah. you've told me about her for years. She's been a legend on Dateable, at least between <laughs> you and I. <laughs> and I knew her before the 800 even started. So she's been on way more first dates in her lifetime. This 800 (laughs) is since the onset of Tinder. Oh my god, yeah. So she's been on like a thousand, at least. (laughs) Yeah, easily. Yeah, easily. Because even when I knew her before online dating, she was going on five or six dates a week. So yeah, definitely. You would tell me about her that she would go on like brunch Uh date, coffee date, Uh dinner date, drink date, like it would be multiple in a day. And I've just been like, wow, I'm just, I can't imagine this. This is beyond because I've definitely done the double booking thing. But this is like next level. Have you done the double booking though? Like actual double booking? Oh, absolutely have done the double booking. So two people show up? Not like at the same time. Like I booked them at, I don't know, I did like You've five done the back to, to back. six. Back to back. Yeah, okay. okay. That's what I include, double booking. Okay. One night. I didn't have like two people show up. Although remember you when we did that with Tinder Social when it came out? Still one of my favorite, most memorable nights <laughs> of online dating. For anyone that doesn't remember, Tinder ran a brief experiment where they had group (laughs) dating like group chats and one night it was like me ua our friend kat who was single at the time Mm -hmm. and our friend deb who was single at the time Mm -hmm. and our friend elsa who had been in a relationship since college that was just there living vicariously she's there she was like the one egging it on she was like the one like super into it we had so many chats going was kiana there I don't think so. I think it was just us because I think there was four people in the chat. That was my thought. Okay. I think it was okay. groups of four. She must have been out of town or doing something else that night. We had her in a <laughs> different Tinder social. Yeah. Yes, we did. Anyways, we had all these chats. I feel like our convos were basically like just a bunch of memes going back and forth. Do you remember that? It was like no one was even talking in words. And then we told every group, I think we had like five groups that we were talking to, we told them all to meet us at this one bar in yep. the hate area of San Francisco. Nikki's Bar, I still remember it to this day. Oh, Whenever I see that, I yes. think about this night. We invited all these groups and only one showed up. So it actually worked out. The one showed up because it was dead thing right it was like her no, we just like pick them for her because we're like the like, oh right. she was attracted to them but like they didn't know that they thought we were like all into the group <laughs> <laughs> it was a real good time it was a real good it time was because hilarious. we were hammered too i mean obviously <laughs> hammered. but aside from the the group dating we all had also individual oh matches yes. too Tinder you had matches. that guy come and I had, had your oh yeah, he, though this is the the infamous bloody nose guy, which I will not get into on this episode. Point being, what was our point? Go back to rock bottom episode. That was season seven for that story. But the one that said UA 
worst date ever was his worst tinder remarks. date ever <laughs> yes worst tinder date ever but what's our point in saying all of this it was it's like d- double booking a double booking okay yes having, yeah. yes having multiple people <laughs> show up in one night brooke was the epitome of making dating her job her job was her actual job came second to dating she would <laughs> <laughs> everything kind of revolved around what she lined up for the day and I do remember her just squeezing in some coffee dates in between meetings or like between lunch and her first meeting it was absolutely brilliant and I don't know how she did it because she kept she somewhat kept everyone yeah she was clear on who she was meeting she never got confused she didn't have a spreadsheet at that time either she's a damn good memory yeah she's a very good memory that's how she's able to balance it all I don't think I could ever do what she did it's still exhausting just to think about it but yeah she is a legend for us she has been on the most first online dates that I personally know Oh, yeah. I don't know anyone that's been on more. I mean, even like my back of the napkin bath. And I think it's a little exaggerated. It probably isn't 300 or 250 to 300, whatever I said. But I mean, 800 is a lot more than that. It's like three times. Exhausting. (laughs) Exhausting. Because she was thinking, oh, if I go on five dates a week. But there were some weeks she she was definitely going on more than five dates a week. And she met her husband when she was 31. So she also had less years that we're talking about, too. <laughs> Although she true. might have started earlier. It's hard to know. It's hard to also what you count as a as a date, right? But it got her to the point of finding love. And, you know, I think everyone has their own method. That's what we've learned. It feels exhausting maybe to us, but as someone super extroverted, I love what we talk about in this convo of how she can see the fun in dating. So I'll say for that reason, I think even if you're like, I would never do this, it's worth listening to a different perspective because she felt very energized by dating. This did not exhaust her in any way. No, no, she absolutely loved loved it. And also being in New York, (laughs) it's much easier logistically to go from date to date because you could just meet them all in one neighborhood and there you go you're just booked for the rest of the night and also i think she just loves meeting new people having Mm -hmm. new experiences was something she really wanted in her life especially during that time in her life so i really appreciated that about her her just curiosity for people uh but also just the stories that she would – it's not even about the men that she was dating. It was just like the logistics of getting from date to date, like having one guy walk her to the next date or being late for one date and having to like bail out on this one early. Man, that's exhausting part. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Every city has its uniqueness to it. But I feel like her experience is very New York in a way. You know, there's so many people, you know, even in San Francisco, I'm like, I feel like you like eventually would run out of people because they're just, you know, I mean, not that there's less than 800, but you know what I mean? Like New York is just such a huge city. With it being a huge city comes not necessarily seeing the same people twice, not having a lot of mutual connections, which Also is why I think there's a lot of ghosting that happens, but I could see why she was able to pull so many people. As someone that you dated in New York for many years, like how do you think New York is kind of its own beast? What I loved about dating in New York, so I was also doing back of the napkin calculations as you were talking through yours. (laughs) I would 
say that I would, you know, I was in New York for seven years. Five of those were in a relationship, so really dating for two. And in those two years, I think I went on a hundred first dates in New York, Damn. and then maybe fifty since moving out of New York. <laughs> so, <laughs> just shows you. I love it. It's like mine's like a span of ten years. You're like, I got ninety percent of years in two years. Yeah. In two years, because what what is so unique to New York is how diverse it is. And she does go into this in in her conversation with us. It's like you could date someone who is in finance and someone who's an artist, someone who just moved there, someone who was born there. You just never date the same person twice. Mm. And part of my gripe with San Francisco when I moved there and Julie and I became friends, I I just kept meeting the same guy over and over again. In a different body. In a different body. (laughs) But same story of how they came to SF to pursue their tech dreams. Same education, same outlook on life. And in New York, you just... It's like insatiable, the amount of newness that comes with that city. So you just want to keep going on first dates because you never know which neighborhood you're going to end up in. You never know what kind of person you're going to meet. You never know what kind of experience you're going to have along the way. And so I I get how she's able to do that because it is a very unique thing to New York. Definitely. I think there's a lot of really good that comes from that, especially, you know, we do always say that having a serial dating phase is not a bad thing. It definitely can teach you a lot about what you're looking for, help you get more comfortable just in a dating environment. Like I know for me, like I was definitely not someone that dated a lot before dating apps. Like I would meet the occasional person here or there or like have hookups or stuff like that, but it wasn't as much dates. Like I remember Mm -hmm. like even when I joined Match.com, I was like, this was like when I was probably like 27. So it was a while ago. And I remember this was pre-Tinder. And I remember thinking, was I 27? I don't even remember. Probably 26, 27 because I moved to SF in 25. And I remember being like, I appreciate just going out one-on-one with someone in a setting Mm -hmm. where I'm talking to them and I'm hearing about their life and vice versa instead of being in a crowded bar or just meeting casually through friends of friends, which is what I had been doing before. So -hmm. I think there actually is a lot of really greatness that can come from dating that we forget because it can be painful, especially when you really want an outcome of a relationship and it feels like you're going on date after date and they're not progressing. But Having that period, at least for me, it definitely helped me get more confident, helped me understand who I jived with and what was important. Like, mm-hmm. do you remember that in the time in New York with 100 people? Like, did it help you? Or I could also see it going the other way if like everyone's so different that you're just like, what do I even want anymore? Oh, I think there's definitely a part of that. I dated, there was one period when I was dating someone who was very established in their career, who was five years older, and someone who was five years younger, who didn't know what the fuck they were wanting in life, <laughs> but very spontaneous and fun. And I dated both of them for a few months, not knowing which one I preferred. You know, it's mm. very hard because you want the best of both worlds. So I can see why people would want to juggle multiple people in New York. And that's why it's notorious for a city where you don't want to settle down because you feel like you can get the perfect person by combining, <laughs> <laughs> you know, your harem of of people. But what I do miss, though, and I'm not trying to out you, Julie, but you did ask me, you're like, do you kind of miss going on first dates? And you didn't ask that question like you want to be with other people. But I get yeah. what you were asking because I, I feel it too. It's like I miss the first date jitters. 
and the excitement do. of like, I don't know what I'm going to get there. You know, nothing is predictable and it could go terribly, but it could also be so great too. I know. I told my partner, I'm like, we should just go to bars and like pretend like we are on first <laughs> dates. And he's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> But I, you know, like, again, I wouldn't like trade in the relationship I have for first dates. Absolutely not. But I do miss because I also get energized by meeting people, Mm -hmm. especially in one on one settings. I really do enjoy that. And, you know, I feel like I've been able to make new friends, which has kind of filled that void a little. But the older you get, it's hard to do that, too. So I feel like dating was that outlet that like allowed you to meet new people all the time and just... You know, I think having your steady friends, your relationship, it's more fulfilling ultimately because those are deep connections. But you do find yourself talking about similar things where when you meet someone new, it's just like a fresh take. And I miss Mm. that a bit. Well, all of this is to say dating is a fucking privilege, y'all. Not everybody has this privilege. The fact that we can go on so many dates if we really wanted to, the fact that we can say we've had 800 first dates is a privilege. And that's partially why when Julie and I talk about this, it's almost like, oh, we kind of miss it. Not that we're, we would give up our relationships for anything else, but it's, it is a privilege that, you know, you kind of miss when you don't have it anymore. Yeah, I wish I appreciated it more when I was in the thick yeah, of it. Because I totally yeah. get like now us being like, yeah, we're on the other side of it. Of yeah. course we miss it. But when you're in it, you're just like, oh my God, again, I don't want to do this. But at the same time, like there were nights that it was really fun. And especially if you can relinquish control of the outcome a little. I think for me, what I would do different if I were to do it again is be less concerned. Like, am I going to see this person yet? Are they going to call mm-hmm, me? Mm-hmm. Just enjoy it for what it is. And if I only see them one night in my life, then so be it, you know? And that doesn't mean that you can't like want a relationship and be pushing for that, but it's okay if it's not that person. Like relinquishing control would have made my dating life more fun, I think, in the moment. I miss getting ready for dates too. It's not even (laughs) about the person. The other day, my partner and I went out to a celebratory dinner and I got ready in 10 minutes. And I just remember being like, God, I used to like take an yeah. hour at least to get ready for dates. And I'd be you know, straightening my hair or curling my hair and getting a little nervous or getting a little excited. I miss the buildup to dates. And I don't – and like also <laughs> – this sounds so dumb maybe. But whatever you wear on first dates is always going to be new to that person. Yeah, They have not seen it. They're like, ooh, like this outfit, but you could have worn it five days in a row. They have no idea. You know? Unless you're me and your date calls you on wearing the <laughs> outfit that you wore in your dating profile, because that happened to Infamous me. On... black romper. Throwback. I don't even remember what season that was on, but that's a good one. You know, I think it was, what was it called? It was first date in 12 years because that was his, I was his first date in 12 years. So go to the archives, look that one up. That was a good one. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Well, I feel like we might as well get into it because Brooke could share her story better than (laughs) anyone else. And it is quite a story. So before we get into it at Dateable Podcast, find us on Instagram. Share this with a friend, you know? Do you have a friend that's also gone on countless first dates? Are they feeling hopeful, 
hopeless, living vicariously through you now that they're out of it, but want to live the vicariously through Brooke, send it along. You know, everyone can enjoy this. Yes. Okay. Before we get into it, let's take a minute for our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Quip. From treats to travel, good world care habits can fall by the wayside over the holidays. Quip makes it easy to stay on track by delivering all the healthy mouth essentials you need for the season and beyond. I've been using my Quip electric toothbrush for years now, and I can't imagine not having it by my side. First and foremost, I love that it's lightweight and sleek. There are no wires or bulky chargers, making it perfect for travel as well. I have the all pink metal version that just looks so great on my bathroom counter. You can also upgrade your Quip with a smart motor to track and improve your brushing and earn amazing rewards such as free refills and gift cards. With stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just $25, you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral health. Trust me, you've got to try it. Go to getquip.com slash datable right now for your first refill free. Plus shop Quip's lowest prices of the year this holiday season. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Quip, the good habits company. Okay, let's hear it from Brooke all about her 800 first dates. So many people write in and tell us that they need to write a book or they need to be on the podcast to tell us about how many first dates they've been on and their crazy dating stories. And there is one person (laughs) that we've had in our mind for so many years who is the queen of first dates. And she is gracing us with her presence today. I've known Brooke for over 10 years now. And I told Julie about Brooke, I think shortly after we met, because we were talking about doing this podcast. And I was like, Julie, there is this friend I have. And I swear she's been on almost a thousand first dates. And Julie didn't believe me at that time. And now she's seeing you and she is believing me. Yes. The legend. I did the math at one point. I'm like, all right, if I did five dates, six days a week, some days, maybe a couple of days. There was one night I actually did four activities in one night. I, I went to meet a friend for a happy hour. I went to dinner and then I met a guy for a drink. Oh no, I went to the gym too. And I'm like, I guess like getting out of work at five, let's just say it was very uh, accommodating to my social life schedule. So yes, I did. I was able to do a lot of dating still. Very I efficient. Was, I needed a secretary at one point in my life. <laughs> so who is Brooke? She is 36 years old, currently lives in London. She's been there for over three years, originally from Long Island. And she is married with two kids. Her story is about going on 800 plus first dates until she found the one, her fight for the fairy tale. And she did find her one. I have not met Ryan yet, but he seems lovely. And he's brought her over to London to start a family together. But let's go back in time. If we got into whatever, like time travel. Yeah. Like if we, yes, if we got into this machine and we went, Tell us about your dating life back in New York before you met your now husband. I would say my dating life was almost basically a job that I enjoy just as much as my job. I definitely love my work, but yeah, it would be fun when the clock hit five o'clock at the end of the work day. I'd be like, all right, who am I meeting tonight? I remember walking on dates and calling my grandma and she'd be like, which one is this one? And I'm like, shit, what's his name? Which one is this one? I'm like, I I don't know. Hold on one second. It was that bad, but it was, again, it was a fun chapter. At one point I remember I had to clear 
my Tinder out because I think I had too many. Ma- I was like 2,300 conversations that I had to clear oh out my and God. restart <laughs> over again. At one point, yes, I was at a bar and I remember standing there at Ainsworth. Of course, it was like the douchey sports bar that I always love to go to. And it was a revolving door. And one guy came in. I'm like, I went on a date with that guy. The next guy who came in, I went on a date with that guy. So, yes, if you can get an idea <laughs> of what my near dating life was like, I basically, if you were, I hate to say it, over six feet tall and around my age range in New York, I probably went on a date with you. I at least had a conversation. Where did you meet all these people? Like in terms of the apps or like when we went out? I guess, yeah. Did you meet them on apps? Did you meet them in the wilds? A lot of them are online. I mean, on meeting in the wild was very hard. I mean, I, the fact that I met my husband in the wild is more like unique than anything. And I had one friend who's like, you're not going to meet these guys on these apps. Like, what are you doing? And it's funny. I honestly, I thought at the end of the day, first of all, like, what else would I be doing with my time other than sitting home watching TV, I might as well go out, either meet people, know what I want, what I don't want. I mean, in terms of my expectations of whether these guys would turn into something. I mean, I had dates where I'm like, oh my God, that actually went really well. And yeah, of course I'd see him again. But I think there's just, again, the revolving door of dating in New York. I almost think is everyone just kind of dated. And I don't know how it is now. I feel like I'm so out of the game. I don't know. I'm imagining it's still the same for a lot of people. Yeah, I think everyone just kind (laughs) of like recycles dates. Yeah, when you have thousands of messages on Tinder, mm-hmm. how do you manage your time just scrolling through the messages? How do you keep everyone? Yeah. I guess you couldn't keep track of them. No, but there were the ones, of course, we all know the ones that we swipe right on. And then you get a match and you're like, your heart flutters a little. You're like, oh, this was the one I wanted. And then, of course, you prioritize those. And then, you know, <laughs> you start with that. And by the end of the night, boarding picks in. All right, let me go back to those other messages that I like didn't go through. And I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of copy paste going on. Hi, I'm 5'9". This is my story and what's your story and then you judge the responses and okay no not for me and I hate to say it and I'm sure you guys have talked about this but as shallow as it is yes me being tall the height was a big thing and I would say if I was still single now would I still prioritize it no because obviously you learn as you get older that there are Mm. more important things in life but in terms of attraction obviously at that stage in my mid-20s late-20s still you know that was a big deal for me and my husband's 6'2 so I can't say I conceded on that so I got lucky then you know that was one of the again shallow qualities I say that I, I preferred yeah you kind of sift through and by the end of the night yeah maybe I'd have a few conversations that were actually going somewhere and again banter and you know you can kind of sift through the crap basically so yes I had to do a lot of sifting to this day I have a stepson also who's actually 13 he's amazed by the fact that I can like type without looking and I'm like yes that's probably from the online dating apps it's all the practice I got it is I mean the fingers just do the talking <laughs> did you have any other criteria criteria outside of six feet that you were looking at as you were kind of sifting through all these? Of course. course. What was that? Well, the funny thing was, I always like, I think if I think back, it's like, do you live in New York? You know, how tall are you? And but yeah, living in New York was a big thing because I joked at one point, the fact that I ended up with Ryan, my husband who lived in London, I'm like, I'd rather date someone in London than live the guy who lives in Brooklyn. Like I would like cut out guys who lived in like outer boroughs, but like, no, if you didn't live in New York, like somehow you passed the test. If you lived in Brooklyn, you prioritize things differently. You like more space versus like being in the center of the action. And not to say you're a hipster or whatever, but there's just certain different qualities of a person who lives in certain places. So yes, I was judging people based off that. I mean, again, you look back at how you kind of sift through these people and is it fair doing an online app? Obviously you look at photos. I mean, we all kind of judge at the end of the day when we're sitting on an app, you're saying, oh, that picture. And 
And to me, the most impressive picture a guy could post on a dating app is him in a suit standing in front of like a boardroom or something. Or like a standing on at a podium and speaking. To me, that was like you have power. Ew, you have really? You know, that's what you were drawn to? I feel like that's very New York. That's very New York. That's very, okay. that's like very douchey. <laughs> to be fair, I loved Jersey. I felt like I never connected with the book smart guys. I love like the salesy people, the lawyers, the salesmen, the guys who like <laughs> you can throw into a happy hour and they can just kind of like schmooze around. And no, everyone has the their type. Everyone who's met him, he's Canadian. He's like the most gentleman. I always said if I left the room and left my man with my friends, if I came back, with, he'd be friends with everyone and start up a conversation and like grind that type of person. So yes, that type of quality in a person is what I find attractive. Yes, I'm totally New York UA. What can I tell you? <laughs> and we will get to your husband because I still think it's interesting how you and your husband met, but we'll get to that. I still want to go back to all the online dating. You did Tinder primarily. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we're talking about like 2015, 2016, 2017. Yeah, around that time. Okay. So primarily Tinder. What was your methodology about getting them from online to offline? See, I was very active about that. I think some people kind of wait for the guy to ask. I'm like, okay, what's your schedule like? Like, when can we meet? I have no problem asking a guy. I don't like wasting my time. And I actually think I even said that. I think there's something in my profile that said, like, I don't like wasting my time or yours kind of thing. But yeah, it wasn't that hard for me, actually, to kind of like go to the next stage the way that some people are. And I think maybe because I kind of hinted at, okay, when are we meeting? And if I got vibes that they weren't interested in me, I'm like, goodbye. Like, I'm not here to chit chat. I think I cut it off pretty quickly, actually. But what I actually recall Mm. is if you have a good conversation going that night, if you don't get to that, like, let's meet up level, then forget it. The next day, it's over. Forget it. The next day, you're you're done. Yeah, it was very much like you have to complete the transaction that night. If the conversation's gone well, <laughs> do not wait. Because the next I day, agree with you. me and everyone else is going to be swiping on the next person. Okay, so you went on 800 first dates. And obviously, you don't need to give an exact percentage. But like, how much would you ballpark turned into second or third? Like, went beyond the first date? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes. Would I give a guy a second chance if like, I felt like nothing was wrong? We all want that feeling a little more than that, though. You want to be excited about someone you want I'll never forget and he was a nice guy and he was very into me and I I thought he was sweet he was a good looking dude but something felt off and actually he had mentioned to me that his I asked him because he was divorced I said what was like the best quality of your wife and he was like she was pretty for some reason that rubbed me the wrong way so much because I'm like really that's you're just gonna judge someone at that moment off the best person and I remember he wanted to meet up after he had to work something didn't feel right and I ended up going to a friend's birthday party that night and because of happened the other app I matched up with this different guy who ended up being in that neighborhood that night and I wasn't exclusive with the other guy I was dating so I met him the next day I hit it off with him so much and I walked away being like this is how it's supposed to feel and I feel like I'll never forget that experience because you can date someone for however long and it just you can keep riding that wave but if it doesn't hit you right away you kind of feel like Mm, this isn't necessarily going anywhere. Why am I Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Don't doubt yourself. But I feel like that didn't answer Julie's question, which is like, of the 800 first dates, what percentage of those turned into something more than a first date? It's one out of every two weeks, basically. Oh, probably, one out of four. Yeah, one of every one two weeks. One out of I'd every say. two weeks. Okay. And then of those, how many turn into relationships? Oh, I was not the relationship type. No, I was, <laughs> my longest relationship was probably like four months. In fact, Ryan was like, uh, that's worrisome. Again, I was that person that I'd rather date and see what's out there. 
than commit to something that I know mm. wasn't going to be sustainable. I was very content with being single. I knew that's all I knew from. So I was okay with that life versus, you know, the people who jump from relationships to relationships. Mm. Well, I still to this day don't understand relationships where you're with a guy for a year and you don't talk about whether you want kids or this or just like big life changing stuff. I don't, it blows my mind how you don't have like big conversations. So yeah, if I don't see you lasting long term, I couldn't be with them. So basically, very few of them became actual relationships. Yes. And I could probably still count on my um, two hands how many guys I actually liked. Okay. So how did you decide this is someone that, I mean, we're going to go into your husband, like, but how did you like know to keep going versus to give someone a chance? Being in New York City, I think you kind of have the people who are career driven. And I love that. And I, I, I was that type of girl where I said, I have to work late as long as he respectfully was respectful of my time. And I was that communication, honesty, and respect. Like those three things were like non-negotiable. Like if you were working late, you couldn't send me a text earlier that night to say, I have to cancel. Like you don't respect my time, but like, I don't mind that you work late because I respect that you have a career and I think it's great. And especially in their mid twenties, you know, these guys are trying to establish themselves. I wasn't that girl that, oh, he doesn't have time for me. And this and that. No, I didn't care about that stuff. So yeah, I was in the right place living in Manhattan. I think in terms of finding the guy who cared about his career, but at the same time, they didn't have time for me at that point. So I don't think I, I think expecting to be in a relationship or being in long term or ending up with someone when you're in your mid twenties in a city like that, I think is more challenging because these guys actually say, I want to establish my career first before I feel like I can settle down. And I actually find that honorable. Well, it's good to set the scene here too, because when I knew Brooke, when I lived in New York, dating apps were not a thing. And shortly after I left, Tinder kind of took over the city and Brooke was like, this is the best fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. She was like, I can go on dates. There's an app called Peanut. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's for moms. I'm in London now as a mother and you can swipe left and right on moms and then match in your neighborhood. And everyone who knows me were like, this is perfect for you. But it's the funniest thing, judging women. You're like, oh, she's not my type. Oh, and some of my like great friends here now are from the peanut app. So yes, it still goes on, everyone. <laughs> still in all the apps. So you still like the apps. You're the app queen. What I'm gathering is when you were doing online dating in New York, when you were swiping in New York, it was purely for fun. Was that the intention? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say I enjoyed the process probably more so than most people did. I treated dating as a hobby. And I mm -hmm. thought that, again, you asked me, what TV shows did I watch? I'm like, why would I watch TV? Like, I, I didn't sit on my couch. I would go out and I'd go out and meet people. I'd go out every, almost every single night. I wasn't a big drinker either. I'd find ways to get guys to pay me to buy my dinners. To me, I argued it was cheaper than drinks. I joke I have a personality that doesn't require alcohol. I actually prefer guys who like don't need to get drunk to be around me either. But yes, I would go out every night and yes, would I have a drink? Sure. Sometimes I'd say I needed water or whatever, but I would always find a way to basically go out. And I enjoyed the process of meeting people. I guess I'm more of an extrovert. I like to be social. So to me, it was a no brainer. And there was a guy who I dated for three months who I wasn't sure about. And this is another reason why I said, let me go out and date because I'm like, all right, I actually met him off match.com. I ended up meeting him. And I'm like, wow, he was really impressive. And I dated him for three months. And this is probably why I gave every guy a chance because I was not excited going into that date. So it's like, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who's going to wow you. Mm. There was another guy who, funny enough, also lived in London. And I'm like, oh, what's the point? Like, this guy doesn't even live here. And I got so annoyed at him. He was joking around and text. I'm like, why am I even wasting my time with you? And it was like, again, my attitude going in was awful. 
I met him and I was like, this guy's hilarious. And he was so much fun and nothing ever happened, obviously. But you never know until you meet someone. So I just always felt like, yeah. okay, what are we really, truly judging each other on on a dating app? And I tell this to my girlfriends who like, again, everyone can get dejected and like the process is draining and oh, this guy is such a dick pic. And all. like, it's so easy to just like want to check out and say, you know what? I want to wear sweats. I want to sit on my couch. I'm over it. Kick it into high gear. Go out. And then again, I didn't meet my husband that way, but I learned what I wanted and what I didn't want. I have great stories. I mean, like, get up and just not take it too seriously, but go on with an open mind. You know, I can relate to what you're saying. Like, as being in a relationship for now for a year and a half, I do kind of miss just like meeting new people and like the what can happen mentality. You don't get that anymore unless unless you're on peanut. I guess that's another way. <laughs> Outside of, you know, the good stuff that I think what you just said is really important for people to hear that there is a lot of good that comes from dating. Like what other context is someone just so willing to go meet up with you? Like what else did you enjoy about dating? Well, I will say too, and not to say it in society standards now, but as a woman, you don't always have to or necessarily are expected to pay. So you're not giving up your money, you're giving up your time and maybe some makeup (laughs) and an outfit for the night, like a little energy, that's all. But yes, for the most part, for men, I would say it's a little more problematic. I feel bad for them if they go on these bad dates and they still are gentlemanly enough to pay, which is great. I mean, obviously, I've been on my share of dates, obviously, where these men are like, uh, and my line, can I just tell you, when the bill comes, you say, can I help leave something? That's what I always would say in terms of, because oh. I'm offering. I always offer. But the way I phrase it, I always find that like, no, no, it's okay. I got it. And sometimes, obviously, the guys would say, yeah, you can leave the tip or yeah, you can split it. And of course, every girl cringes and they're like, you want a gentleman. Let's be real. We all want a man who can at least afford to freaking pay for a first day to make a good impression. Let's be real. You might have a hard time dating in 2022. I'll say yeah. that. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think... get treated anymore? It's not like that anymore. Really? Yeah. So chivalry is dead. Well, I mean, no, it's not saying that. I'm not saying that. It's not about chivalry. I think it's just like the gender generals have... Yeah, it's oh, right. definitely switched. Ugh. And I think in New York, you probably see more of that, but... Who wants to date now? Forget this. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, like, obviously there was a lot of really fun that came with dating were there ever times that you were just like i am so burnt out Mm. i don't want to do this i just want to meet someone or did that thought never really go through your head it always went through my head every night i'd be like tomorrow might be the day i meet someone like it always was i never gave up hope how about that i put in the effort i did the time i paid my dues but i never ever gave up hope that every time i go on tinder that the next guy i'd swipe could be the one and I mm. yes I treated it as a hobby yes I found it fun but I did take it seriously because at the end of the day yes I wanted to find the man of my dream but I remember my um my cousin I'll never forget he's like why can't you just date an average guy and I'm like I don't want average I don't want to like I never wanted to feel like I was settling and in a lot of ways like I obviously then maybe boils down to confidence it's not that I thought I was the hottest girl out there it's that I had standards for myself that I respected and that I looked for and wanted and I did not have to sacrifice much of anything with the man that I ended up with and I'm so thankful and we say we love each other four or five times a day we look at each other like I'm so happy with how life turned out and that's why I think I can reflect back and say yes all of it was worth it every single bad first date and good first date and I do think so too whether it was age or again all the dating I did I did make my husband likes to say a compromise not a, a sacrifice to meeting he's not perfect in every way that the situation wasn't perfect I mean in a perfect world would I still be in New York 
Maybe. But at the same time, I've embraced mm. this chapter that I've moved to in London. And it was all about timing. I don't think if I met Ryan earlier and he told me he was divorced with a child and I'd have to move to London mm. to be with him, I would have been like, swipe left. <laughs> and especially if you put that in a bio on a dating app, holy crap, I'd be like, no way. <laughs> Let's get to your husband then. Because do you think you would have swiped on your husband if you saw him on an app? I would have 100% swiped. I mean, I find him attractive, but I would not have any expectations. And that's the thing. Like, you, we've all probably seen guys who said, I don't live here, but they're attractive. And you say, okay, you're here for a few days or a week. And yeah, I'll be your plus one to this or that and show you around. And But the, the expectation level of it actually continuing would not be there. And I remember Ryan and I had this like fairy tale first week. And he's like, I'm coming back for you. I'm like, okay. But no, he, he did. The next day he said I booked a flight. And for two weeks, now to be fair, you know, Ryan was working in the U.S. and it was his company. So he was able to fly back pretty frequently. Now, for most people, yes, it's probably not as sustainable. And we were able to build a relationship because he was in New York so frequently. So that helped, obviously. It wasn't just... Wait, how did you two meet in the first place? How did we meet? So this was one of those nights and one of those stories where like, I wasn't supposed to go out and he wasn't supposed to. So basically, it was a Memorial Day weekend on uh, 2017. And funny enough, my friend, Kat, who you know, she actually, I remember, was supposed to fly to Florida. Her flight got canceled. And she's like, the day of that Sunday, she's like, I'm going to go get tickets to a show. Do you want to come? I was visiting with my grandpa who's in a hospice. And I was so close to saying, Mom, you always say how I never come home for the weekends. You know, it's Sunday. Maybe I'll come home at Monday. She got tickets to a show. I'm like, all right. So I went in. Went out with a bunch of girlfriends who were ever still in the city. Now, the city clears out on the weekends. Everyone knows. Memorial Day weekend, everyone goes out east to the Hamptons. It's all filled with tourists. So we went to a couple bars, and we started out. We had a fun time, and then one of the bars we went to was dead. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go to the Standard Beer Garden. This is where all the tourists go. Like, it's going to be the only crowded place. Let's end up there. Ryan, on the other hand, was having a fun day out with his friend. He was in town, obviously. And in London, like he doesn't have a driver's license. He doesn't drive. And in London, when you go out, you don't need ID. So he went, he tried to get into Levain, which is in the meatpacking. And they're like, we need to see ID. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, look at me. So he had to go all the way back. He actually really wanted to go to this place, apparently, versus trying somewhere else. So he went all the way back to Midtown to go get his passport. Comes all the way back downtown and he goes out of the cab with his friend, goes to the bar, walks his way and he's like, oh my God, I left my passport in the cab, (gasps) which is a big deal. Yeah. So he ended up finding a way to sneak into the standard beer garden. Now, I still remember standing at the Uh bar and I looked around. Obviously, we all scope out, right? And I see this guy talking to girls. I'm like, he's cute. Look around. Okay, he's cute. I'm standing and the the guy, the second guy who I thought was cute, like works his way towards me and says, I could feel his presence on me. And actually, I said the first words. I said, do you need to get a drink? He says, I do. Do you want one? And the rest is history. But no, he did say, though, that a light was shining on him. That night, and I'm like, you sure it wasn't the pendant light that was like shining on me? And he said, no, it was like a love at first sight moment for him. And like he (laughs) texted me the next day. We actually had a double date with his other friend and my friend Kat. Turned out it was his mother's birthday that day. And his mother passed away like a few months prior. So this was really a random encounter. Like just two random people at a bar, no connections. Right. I think what's interesting about this is you said it, like I probably would have found him attractive on a dating app, but I maybe wouldn't have invested in this. But because you met him in a chance encounter, you had a different Uh way of looking at it. How do you think, though, all your years dating prepared you for this moment? Do you think that (laughs) 
it kind of came down to Yes, I do think so. It's almost like at the end of the day, think of going on a job interview and going on 800 interviews. Don't you think you're going to get some experience of like talking to the, the, the person hiring you? I mean, you're basically, I think I gained so much comfort level talking to guys. I also worked in sports and I was very comfortable like schmoozing with guys and, you know, shooting the shit, whatever. So I just felt like when I was out with them, it got to a point point. we all gained certain confidence at some point in ourselves, but I just like, I stopped caring about certain things and just let go a little more and just kind of joked around. And mm. I think I just was more comfortable talking to guys um, at some point too and less insecure about the things that maybe you should be insecure about I just this is who I am or I'll take it or leave it like that was kind of where you got or where I was at what made this interaction and relationship different than the ones you've had where it was like three or four months yeah this one is lasting where we're seeing now the trajectory is a lifetime yeah no he came on very strong but in like a charming gentlemanly like kind of like swept me off my feet way to the point where my friends were almost like worrisome about how he was coming up strongly at me and I'm like but I knew he was genuine. And then to me, at the end of the day, it was just so unheard of. So something we've just never, I think every girl wants, this man who just knows what to say and do in the right situation, just treated you like gold. And just, and then we clicked. We had we had things in common. We had common goals. And I remember too, actually, when he came back that second time after our, our fairy tale week, and he was staying at his hotel. And he said, he's like, can I get a key for my girlfriend? And I'm like, whoa, like, hold on. Like in my mind, I'm just like, wait a minute, what? In what world is like one week of like fairy tale dating equate to a girlfriend? So it freaked me out a little. I think then we went up to his room and I remember just like hugging him and there was just this like connection of warmth and like I just it felt right. And I, I actually put in my wedding vow, which you can see in this photo, but I put in my vow to my stepson. I remember when Ryan gave him the phone and I got off the phone and I told Saul and, and my wedding speech, I said, I got off the phone and I knew I'm like, I'm gonna be this kid's stepmom. It's just like something just felt different this time. Mm. It's one of those weird feelings. Like when you know, you know, he wanted me to meet his stepson a couple months later. And I had girlfriends who said like, no, it's too soon. Like, this is weird. Mm. And I'm like, but if I'm not showing commitment to him, why would he show commitment to me? So it's like, you gotta mm. like, I kind of push mm. forward a little further. And he told me he loved me like three weeks in. I'm like, oh, I remember all wow. I said was, I'm in this fairy tale with you. That's what I said. <laughs> so yeah, that's I, a good response. Two, three months, I told him I knew I loved him. And the other thing I knew I loved him is when I was comfortable talking to my mom about him because she would nag and ask about mm. all these dates. I don't think she knew about a good chunk of the ones that I went on. But when I mentioned Ryan, I'm like, I, I could talk to you about this one. Like, it just felt right. I felt comfortable. You said something really interesting earlier that, you know, you had certain criteria and he on paper didn't necessarily meet them. I mean, some of them, the height was there, but like you wouldn't have necessarily gone for someone when that lived in London or you were going to be a step parent. Right. Like, what do you think changed for you over the years of what you actually looked for in a partner? Well, I think we all get to a certain age where, and this is where I'd say now, I was still single. And I unfortunately, I have friends who are still kind of struggling in New York. I would have to give up. I would be willing to give up that. I'd be willing to give up certain things, the location, like, because at the end of the day, again, you just want someone who's going to be compatible. You want someone who's going to treat you right. So yeah, I think time just changed. I mean, I was in the same job for, and I love my work, but in the same job for a while, same apartment, single, it was like, something's got to give here. So I think at that point, mm. when I met Ryan and he said, I'd have to move to London. Now the, the side note is that 
this is a short chapter. Like we both were on the same page about wanting to end up in California. He's Canadian. He's not British. He has no family here. So to me, in my mind, okay, this is like a bonus chapter where I can like live in a foreign country mm. for a little while. This wasn't forever. And that I think helped too, is that I, the opportunity to come back home was still there. We were both on the same page about that. So I, I'm viewing mm. London life as like, okay, we're here a few years. And we talk about every single day about wanting to move to California. So we're at least on the same page with that. But it was scary at the beginning because I knew I'm like, okay, here I have this like comfort in my life in New York. And the only way this is going to work out because we have a step a son is that I'd have to move. So I had to come to grips with that, you know, mindset of, yeah, my life is going to be uprooted. But I was at a place in my life where I felt like it was okay. It was time. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. 
and feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you talk about your place in life. What was your place in life in terms of dating? Were there other people in orbit at this time that you met Ryan? To be fair, there was a guy who I met just prior who I was like all excited about who lived in Florida. And I was actually like, okay, if I had to move to Florida, I'll move to Florida. And he sent a message after we had met. And it's like, you know, the likelihood that this is going to work out is like pretty minimal. And it just like deflated me. And I'm just like, like, why am I doing this? And I Mm. think that kind of helped me with Ryan because I was kind of jaded by the whole process that I didn't come on that strong to Ryan. I was like, okay, like this isn't going to do anything. So for a guy, I almost think if I was like a little overeager with him, that might have turned him off a little. Like who knows? I do think there is some truth to coming on too strong. That's a turnoff. Yeah. And of course there was a, a couple of guys who would reach out. I mean, when I met Ryan, were there guys that kind of tried to reappear? Absolutely. But I'm like, where were you months ago? You know, like, clearly you weren't looking for anything serious at the time. And now I've moved on. And that's like a, a powerful feeling to say, like, you know, the hookup buddy that just like, <laughs> couldn't commit. Like, no, your time's done. Like, So serial dating, you know, definitely has its benefits. Like you said earlier, you get to, you know, experience a lot of people, get more comfortable, find out what works for you in terms of personality and qualities. But I could also see the amount of dates that you went on almost becoming like more confusing what you're looking for also. How did you kind of navigate like honing in on what was important versus just being like, oh my God, I've met so many people. I can't even keep them straight anymore. Right. Well, that I think, you know, I get critiqued from my mother. It'd be the same thing. It's like, how do you even know if you like a person if you're constantly like disposing them? And I think that boils back to the whole, you know, when you know kind of thing. I mean, yes, was towards later in my life, would I be more open-minded to seeing guys again? Yeah. But to be fair, the guys wouldn't text me (laughs) about meeting up again. You know, it's a two-way street, obviously. You know, you can hint at all you want. That was great. You know, I had fun. We should do it again. And if they're not going to ask you out, they're not going to ask you out. I still feel like at the end of the day, it was still more beneficial than not as far as, you know, my time. I only think maybe I just cut people off probably too soon Mm. if I didn't feel it right away. And that you can argue is probably a byproduct of the dating world we're in because of the the options. I mean, let's be real again, New York, if you didn't hit it off right away, of course you would just say, well, the grass is greener. And that's part of the problem. Obviously, as you guys know, with dating in a big city is that, you know, everyone, the options are just always there. I didn't have that problem in New York. And that's why everyone doesn't want to commit because there's always the next person to swipe on. so. So what I'm hearing is Ryan came into the picture at a time where you were a little bit jaded by this previous guy, but also set you up to be open to moving. So that was key. And also Ryan seemed to drive the situation quite a bit. He came on strong in the sense that he was very open and clear about how much he liked you. In fact, it was love at first sight. Aside from Ryan, was there anybody else in those 800 dates (laughs) that showed this type of initiative? Were there guys? Yeah. And um, it probably turned me off. It probably scared me. I mean, if I was younger and a guy came on this strong, I think I, I 
maybe I had a guy's mentality. Maybe I wasn't ready to settle in as much as I thought I was. But with the right person, I remember there was a guy when I was 24. I thought like, I'm in love. That's it. We're going to get married and I'm done. Like this worked out perfectly. Look how easy this is. Like, and of course he dumped me after like two months because he only wanted a summer fling. I was like, we have our naive moments when we're young. We think like that world's going to end. Oh my God, you broke up with me. I'm done. But yeah, in terms of like, again, dating back in the day, I can't say I, I, there's one guy that stands out to be honest, as far as that. I guess how long in total were you doing the serial dating thing? Was it like a decade or? It was like a decade. It was a decade. It was, oh, I moved to Manhattan. I mean, again, I didn't, my longest relationship before Ryan was like four months. So you talk, that's why I'm like, when I crunch the numbers, I wish I truly kept track. Because that actually might be more than 800. I don't even know. I am taking a guess. <laughs> we got an even that 1,000. I mean, you <laughs> might as well. I think 800 sounds more realistic though, just to round up. Yeah, no, I'd say from what, to age 20, three I moved into the Manhattan I met Ryan at 31 so yeah it's almost a solid mm. decade of dating and I wouldn't trade it in for anything that's the best part I think like I would even encourage my kids mm-hmm. go to Manhattan go enjoy your life but, like don't settle down so quickly I mean I, the only thing I wish of course is that I had more time with Ryan before we had kids at the beginning you said that you would go on like a couple dates a day what was the most that you did did you double book triple book quadruple book <laughs> take us through that right, one of my friends still <laughs> I don't even remember this, but she was like, I love when you had the guy walk you from one day to the next. I was like, I did that. Oh, my God. I think the guy just wanted to go for a walk. I was like, you want to walk? I'll show you a walk. Yeah, bring me to the next guy. Oh, my God. What'd you say when you, like, lost him? Were you just like, you have to leave now because I'm going on a date? I know, of course not. But, yeah, I'm just like, oh, my friends, and like, thanks for walking. But, yeah, how did I do it? I mean, I, I basically, I did a brunch on a Saturday and then I went to drinks before I met up with girlfriends on a Saturday night. I mean, if it was a guy I met already, maybe I would meet up with a different guy or tell another guy to come meet up with me and my friends while we're out. I mean, like, yeah, you can definitely, like, you can maximize your day for sure. I mean, did I mention an afternoon activity? There's something you could do there. I mean, how'd you balance it, like, with your life, like your friends, family, work? Like, how did you do it? Work. Well, like I said, I I love my job. I was a TV producer in New York. But yeah, I worked from nine to five. And my job, again, let me out at five. So I'm at the gym at six o'clock on the elliptical texting with someone. I mean, like at nighttime, like I said, I wasn't watching much television or if I was, I'm still on a dating app. Yeah, I meet up with friends <laughs> a bunch. Thursday, Friday, Saturday would kind of be like on my girls' nights. We'd have happy hours. And I think Friday was, we'd take a break maybe. And But yeah, I, I'd always invite a guy out of I thought it would be like if he wasn't worth a date and I thought okay I'm out bring your friend that would be another thing I'd be like you bring your guy friends I have my, I love matchmaking by the way that's why I'm like okay let's let's see if your so friends you were just on the go like always I never could you were just them. like constantly go 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 okay yes that makes sense which is why it's so funny that my life now is like I'm so content doing nothing like I literally can barely put on jeans I'm like oh you got to rest after 10 years, a decade. Yeah, all that, all those days. I know. I don't know if it was COVID that just like knocked me out and I'm good or motherhood or like my prior life, but like I'm a shell of what I once was and I'm completely fine with that. And like Ryan and I, we have the two kids on the bed and I'm like, this is exactly where I want to be. So yeah, I've earned this oh. life, I tell you. <laughs> 
So I have a question for you, because I can hear people saying like, okay, you like dating, it was your hobby, we get that. But then there were some of these people that you've said, I didn't really see anything, so I invited them out with my friends. Or I knew they lived far away, but hey, I'll just meet them anyways with no expectations. Why even go for those people versus saying like, okay, they're not actually in the place of someone I could date? For the story, I always like would say it's worth a good story. And that's actually part of like what I loved about that online dating around like there were famous people you'd match with baseball players like just like 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 certain things in the the world that I was living in that I felt like one guy who I matched with I'm still friendly with today I actually wasn't even like attracted to him he wasn't my type he looked like a soap opera star he's a football player I actually set him up with another friend I'm like and he came out with his friends his friend dated my friend for a while it's just like you never know who you meet who you can like mingle with and then where the night can take you looking back now I mean Sure, there's plenty of stories I don't remember because obviously there were a lot of dates. So, but yeah, one of the I started writing a book actually, and like in between each chapter were like many chapters of like these awful dates that are just so memorable. Do you recall a funny dating mishap story like? what we're alluding to with double booking or triple booking. I have funny stories. The guy passed out in the bathroom when we were at a restaurant and the waitress came over and said, uh, I'm sorry, I think your date's like fallen or as the Oh my God. Passed out. Yeah, he was drunk. <laughs> Another guy, he was so drunk. He was like feeding pigeons on the date. He ordered me like a cheap beer before I even got there. I'm like, okay, that's not necessarily what I would have, not to say I would have gone for an expensive drink. I'm just saying he just was like clearly just off. Something wasn't right. But do you remember like actually double booking and two people show up on a date? I was good with that. I was like, I had my shit together. She had her tracks better than that. That's very impressive. Yeah, I'm telling you, I was like, I I joked I needed a secretary, but I think I got it. Like, (laughs) my God, what I'm gathering though from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, like these dating myths mishaps that the guy passed out or whatever it still didn't get you down like it was just a funny story or did you feel discouraged by it I mean yes don't get me wrong I'm sure there are times where I'm like I can't keep doing this like we've all had those moments and I'm sure and looking back yes I want to believe that I didn't yeah it can be discouraging especially when there's a guy you liked and he didn't reach out again or yeah we've all like had the ups and downs but again I I boil it back to the hope there's always that hope that the next guy who you meet was going to be the one who can like Mm. sweep you off your feet but yeah I would still try to go out I, I did not have much success meeting guys out to be honest. So the fact that I met my husband at a bar and I have a story, that's what I love. And again, I'm all about story. Yeah. What advice would you have for the people that, you know, might be feeling discouraged of going on date after date? Like you just said it a little of keeping that hope, but like, what would you tell someone or your past self in this moment? Yeah, I would say just go in with an open mind and treat it like, again, a night out that you can walk away with a good story. You can walk away with your husband, most likely not, but at least you walk away with something more unique than just sitting on, like I said, the couch. I think you, at the end of the day, you have to be willing to put yourself out there to get anything. If you don't do that, then you're not going to have any experiences. Yeah, I think this was such a good conversation. I will say your approach is definitely very different than sometimes <laughs> yes. what we talk about. We always say it's not a numbers game, but always you know what I'm gathering <laughs> from this, though. I mean, you know, I think you ultimately need to do what works for you. Like if you're an extrovert and you get energized by dating, date. What I love about this mm-hmm. convo, Brooke, is that dating was energizing to you. And I think we could get so down on dating, but we really need to look at like this. I'm connecting with another human being. I'm getting to know someone new. I'm going to a new place. Like this is 
fun. This is better than watching TV or sitting on my couch, not interacting with anyone. Like, I think we're so down on it, but what dating can bring. And, you know, you never know where you're going to meet someone. And that's why I hate when people are like, I won't do apps. I won't meet in person. Like, just be open because you were an app person primarily. And now you met someone, you met your husband in real life. So it's like, you just never know. So why cut out any avenue? Like, why not just be open to where you're going to actually meet them? It's very rejuvenating. And the more you can learn from your experiences and keep an open mind and stay positive about it, like that's going to bring someone into your life ultimately. You said it better than I could have ever. (laughs) Yeah. My takeaway is that sounds extremely exhausting. And (laughs) right, Julie, I think it's like people just have to find what works for them. Yeah. People do not energize me. So therefore, I would not be (laughs) doing that. But if people truly energize you like they do with Brooke, it feels like people feed your energy. And that's a great thing if you know that to explore that a little bit more. I would also say that Brooke's story isn't so much proving that it's a numbers game. I think it's it's proving that open-mindedness works. You did not meet your husband on the apps. So it wasn't about those 2,300 messages on Tinder. But because you got the reps in of being open-minded and just seeing mm. what else is out there, like I'm open to being surprised and delighted tonight. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. That is what it helps us open our hearts to the potential. And you had these deal breakers probably from your early 20s that slowly went away and said, I don't need to be so tied to New York. I don't need to be so tied to this idea. Mm. I'm open for that person who's willing to treat me like gold, like you said. Right. So it becomes more about the person and not so much like these deal breakers that we make without actually meeting the person. At the end of the day, too, it comes to self-respect, knowing what you want, knowing what you deserve and putting in the time and the effort and not being dejected, not like letting things get you down. Again, I mentioned hope, like just always feeling like there's hope that the next guy you swipe on, the next guy you meet can be the one to sweep you off your feet. Even if you walk in with zero expectations or like thinking, oh, here we go again, like another bad date. No, because like I said, there were dates that I went on that I walked away thinking like, wow, that was way better than I could have ever imagined. So mm-hmm. those were the days that gave me hope to keep swiping and to keep going out there. And like I said, I think my confidence level of just or the lack of care at a certain point of saying, you know what, take it or leave it. This is who I am. Just kind of brought me to to the man of my dreams. And I'm very happy and I'm a success story. And I couldn't be more grateful for my experiences in this dating world. I have no shame and I probably <laughs> should. I joke and I say it all the time and my stepson knows how many dates I went on. And he's like, really? Are you kidding me? But yeah, I, I think because I have the success story, I don't I don't have a problem with how I got here. Yeah, I mean, every experience is helping you out on your journey. And the more that you can just look at it as the journey that you're going on and the fact that it gave you the confidence, it gave you the interaction skills, the relational skills, like all that, you just can't do that by sitting at home and not interacting with anyone. So I do really love this mentality of like, how do I start to, you know, get to know myself, be more comfortable all that and using dating as that growth mechanism. And like I mentioned, the job interview thing, like, again, how many job interviews do you go on where you finally feel like, I'm confident I can talk to this recruiter, this boss, whoever, and tell you my spiel, and this is who I am, and this is why I should get the job. And that's like, you either want me or you don't want me. (laughs) That's how it should be. Oh, yeah. Just not caring. Just not caring what people think. Don't care. 
Does this is your life. Well, we care (laughs) about your life. We care about you, your story. Very excited to have connected with you and finally got to the bottom of how you and your husband met. If I just motivated one girl to get off the couch. That's all it takes. (laughs) An angel gets his wings. Yes. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Brooke, for this conversation. Well, we'll be on the lookout for your book whenever you can finish that. Yes, whenever I can get these kids to school and I have time to be me again. Yes, absolutely. There you go. There will be time. For all of our listeners, thank you so much for supporting Dateable. If you want to get your reps in, you go on a, you know, <laughs> give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That five stars looks really good right now. You can just tap that and uh, write something fun and sweet and loving because, you know, that's how you can get your reps in with finding love. And we are here to help you all find love. Okay, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Thank you.